0: Googs house all right the houston cougars lost another offensive lineman into the transfer portal so what are the realistic options to fix this you are locked on cougs your daily podcast on the houston cougars part of the locked on podcast network your team every day welcome to locked on cougs the daily podcast about your houston cougars i'm your host houston born teacher and coach parker ainsworth here to break down all things cougs if you're U of h fan or just a hater can stop by please be sure to subscribe down below that way we can lay us on the cougs in your news feed each and every day we appreciate you making locked on cougs your first listen of the day welcome back to youtube channel it is good to see you again we're over a thousand subscribers we are looking to get to 1250 in the very near future um so if you would hit subscribe down below and then comment and like we're giving something away every 250 subscribers uh so to be entered obviously you gotta be liking and commenting and subscribing to help us get there if after talking a lot about big fellas in alignment over the course of this episode you got nothing else to say about them tell us okay the question they in my classes again history teacher and coach uh is heated up chocolate milk, hot chocolate. All right, so in today's episode, I want to talk all about the Big fellas because I think it's been a hot topic for the Cougs this Transfer Portal season. Uh, we're going to talk about what has been lost in the first segment of the uh, of the show. In the second segment, I want to talk some about like, pie in the sky, kind of like high-end transfer guys It would be great to have in. In the last segment, I want to talk some about guys I think Houston could get if they offered them right now. And I don't mean to say that those guys aren't good. I just mean that, like, they'd be enthusiastically uh, quick to jump on. And so, you know, we'll see where that kind of goes. Um, again, to, for the everyday, we talked basketball yesterday. Today we're talking football offensive line. Tomorrow I'd like to talk football defense. Um, and then we'll see what we, you, you know, do what Thursday and Friday. I'm looking for um, – a little bit, maybe some baseball by the end of it. I'm hoping also there's some news in these portals uh, that would strike and get us some action in there as well. Or some Big 12 news, frankly, would be nice. Uh, It's been a little bit since we talked that as well. So that's something at the end of the week. Today's offensive line, tomorrow's defensive guys. So let's talk offensive line. Uh, The big news on Monday was that Trevante Sylvester entered the transfer portal as a Houston offensive lineman. Now, outside of the fact that he was a Houston Cougar offensive lineman, of which there were 10 at spring ball, it really wasn't a huge newsbuster. I mean, he was a defensive lineman in high school, like a three-star kid in Louisiana in high school, a a very talented kid. I don't mean to say that, Um, but he was thus a project in moving to offensive line. He had not played a whole lot of snaps, um, as a Houston Cougar, I want to say it was like 86 and 70 of them were at field goal special teams. Because I see a lot of linemen spend, if they have like a snap count, they'll say like this man on special teams because they put out a bunch of extra and backup offensive linemen type bodies on those possessions. And you get snaps, they count towards your playing time and whatever. And frankly, they also avoid your red shirt if you were trying to red shirt. But that's not the same as being asked to like pull and kick out a defensive end in a you know, high-pressure situation. right? It's not exactly the same kind of thing. So that's been most of what Sylvester, Sylvester's uh, snaps have been. And I think he was a worthwhile project at Houston. I imagine he's entering the portal because he's like, listen, y'all aren't playing me on offense. Y'all won't play me on defense. He's probably looking for somewhere to go play defense. And frankly, if you can find it, power to him. Not mad about it. Except that we're losing offensive line. So let's talk through what uh, since December has looked like for the offensive line. Uh, the biggest loss has obviously uh, been Cameron Johnson. Um, we had a whole episode when he left uh, a couple weeks back, so I'm going to check that out as well. Um, but he is still listed as one of the best offensive linemen in the transfer portal. Um, for reference, he was a, you know, sec- he was a second team first-team All-American Athletic Conference, and Dave Campbell's had him as a second-team All-State of Texas, regardless of conference, uh, offensive lineman. He had just one sack in his 556 uh passing plays at the University of Houston. And frankly, he was a big time recruit coming in. He chose Houston over Arizona, Colorado Tech, Indiana, Oregon State. Like he had power five options, chose Houston and is leaving. Now he has not declared anywhere yet. And so I will say like technically there is a window open to come back. Um, I wonder if he's testing to see, I mean, bluntly this, I've got no information on this. Brandon Jones, the offensive line coach that recruited him, was listed as one of the two coaches that recruited him on recruit websites multiple um he is now he left the program right we brought brought in iman yagavi who does things a little differently um there's no bad There's differently but brandon jones is now in missouri so i wonder if cameron johnson's waiting like is that missouri offer going to come or not right before he makes a decision um because he clearly liked playing and played very well for brandon if so power to him again it's more about how many guys we've lost at this point his buddy and I say buddy because it looks like for social media stuff they are close uh Chase Todd was a redshirt junior who's played a lot less snaps um but was also depth um in his 137 snaps he played as a redshirt junior last year um like 50-ish of them were like real snaps uh like snaps at right and left guard uh played a substantial portion of the US uh the South Florida game um and he's put on like 25 pounds of good weight out of high school and he was a three-star kid at high school like he did project to be an impact player he just hadn't had that impact yet. Um, I wonder if he's also looking for the Brandon Jones kind of thing at Missouri. I don't, I don't know that I don't have any information to say that these kids are looking for that, but intuitively if I've been recruited to play for this guy, I would try and follow him as well. Right. Um, Coaches are a big deal in this, uh, in this world. And especially when kids can transfer fairly freely, Um, a kid that has not played yet, either a is going to be looking to play or b might want to find the guy that recruited him said, I can, I think you can play at some point, right? Those are not the only two guys to enter though. So it's, Three guys gone total, right? We just lost Sylvester. We also lost Cameron Johnson. Also lost Chase Todd. uh, Lost Derek Bowman. Uh, He played 86 naps almost entirely on field goal special teams. Uh, He is now going to South Florida. I wonder in looking at that if it's the kind of thing where he's looking like, huh, South Florida's American Athletic Conference Mm -hmm. team. I thought I was going to be in the American Athletic Conference. Um, And, you know, am I going to be moving into a thing where that's, That's kind of where I feel like I can play comfortably uh, at this point. Could he be entering? you know, he's got three years eligibility left, even though he's played, he's been in college for three years. So he could get a grad transfer very quickly. I'd imagine. Uh, assuming he could graduate in the four years, right. To be like literally next season. And I could see him playing a season at South Florida and then transferring into a bigger program, even after that, because they have two years of eligibility because of the COVID year, the redshirt year, uh, redshirt, et cetera. Right. He's got time left to play. And I wonder if that's kind of a long-term picture. i no information. Just I'm looking at, um, Ukana Nana um, is probably the smartest, as far as like doing things in the classroom kind of kid that Houston lost. He's another. So if you're counting guys, one, two, three, four, five, and counting offensive lineman, he transferred to Virginia. Uh, has two years left to play. He's a shorter tackle. I'd imagine Virginia moves him into guard if I'm projecting things. Um, didn't didn't play a lot at Houston. His three seasons there, um, but he did have like high end academic D ones, like the Vanderbilt to the world looking at him at a high school. And I wonder if like UVA was more of a fit for him from that perspective. Again, he didn't play a lot, but depth, right. Also have lost Joshua Atkins. Um, he's a six, 200 pound guy that hadn't played in the last couple seasons. Um, I think he's looking for an opportunity to play and he transferred to Hawaii. And I have to say, if I were going to work as hard as a college football player works and not get to play Hawaii would be a really nice place to do. I almost don't hate that for the kid, right? I like to have him for the depth on the roster again, but no hard feelings, but choosing Hawaii, um, intuitively seems like a nice place to be i, I just wish galveston were as nice a beach or as enticing a beach to a guy like josh um houston lost carson walker um who was transferred in the transfer portal december 5th and has still not committed for anything i can find um he has not played in this two season or uh yeah he has not played in his two seasons at university of houston has gained 30 what I assume are good pounds since graduating high school. Um, But his only power Five offer out of high school was Kansas and then Houston. I would kind of count because they're moving into the big 12 is now at least power football. Right. And so like, what does that mean for him? I think he's looking for somewhere to play. Um, I, I would point out though that we're into a second cycle for him now in the transfer portal and no one's picked him up. Um, And this is kind of that like, the chaos part of like this transfer madness that we've had for a couple of years now, where like not everyone gets picked up. And it is a leap of faith to get into this thing. And he's not the only Houston Cougar that's done this. Um Almerion Krim uh had a lot of high major kind of guy, like the lower end. so Georgia Techs, Louisville's Duke, like power five conferences, not the best teams in the conferences, but recruiting him at high school, right? Um and he did not play in either of his two seasons at Houston. Um, he's originally from Alabama, and I wonder if he's looking to get back that way. But again, he also entered on December 5th and has not gotten picked up. So if you're counting here, the real problem is not necessarily, with the exception of Cameron Johnson and potentially Chase Todd down the line, like immediate impact on the field next season. I think Todd and Johnson would have played. I mean, obviously Johnson, but I think Todd would play a lot too. The bigger issue for Houston next season is that lost one, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight offensive linemen into the portal. Now they have pulled three in. Uh, Shamar Lee did a little talk with John last week about, but he's a big body coming in from Florida International. Um, Jalen Garth had merely transferred before last season, but got ruled ineligible for last season. He came in from UT Austin, and then I don't know if you noticed on uh, it was on the day the spring game was supposed to happen, then they got canceled. Max Baines is coming back to campus. He originally was at Houston and then went out to uh, Akron and is now back coming to Houston. So that's three, five, eight guys out, three guys in. There's a lot of spots left to go. I'd like to talk some about my Pine Sky Guys guys in a moment, but I want to say that I think interesting thing here is um, in looking at just that issue as a macro, right? First of all, it's worth pointing out that, like, Houston did change offensive line coaches and thus philosophies as far as how they're going to do some things. And that's enough to make some of these guys want to jump and find somewhere more comfortable. It also, frankly, like as a different type of environment, might not just not have been what the kids signed up for, and that's totally understandable. The hope would be that Nagabi would find guys that fit what he wants to do, and that Dana and he would work together to find some sort of a type of offensive lineman to come in. Hobby um, Lee may be that type. Jalen Garth. Hopefully is that type. I guess he tently came in before in Gavi. Max Baines may be that type. He may be coming back around for the new offensive line. Look, um, I've got some guys that I think fit it and I want to talk with them in the second segment. But first I want to talk some about fan duel. That's because it is time for grand slams, no hitters, double plays because they're all back. Uh, there's no better place to get in the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, new customers can set, step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to fanduel.com slash locked on, sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. Now, you remember when I told you that they shouldn't be favoring the Blue Jays by one and a half runs over the Astros on Monday? You remember that our man Corey jokes scored as many runs as the Blue Jays, I believe on his own former Houston Cougar Houstonian himself, Corey Jolks. Yeah. I think the Astros are kind of starting to find the rhythm again. I think it's been very well reported that the, our Astros, I, I should say our Astros are you and I both Houston people. Um, our Astros are like notoriously after these like deep runs in playoffs, slow starting teams each season. I saw something like they've been seven and nine, like five, the last six seasons through their first uh, 16 games. Um, Admittedly, they got to find the bats a little bit. Got to, you know, they also can't give up nine runs to Texas like they did on Sunday. But I'm thinking I'm going for another. It, Houston keeps it under one and a half. So again, the same line for Tuesday's game. They still have the Blue Jays uh, with Bassett on the mound, favored by one and a half runs. Urquidy's on the mound for Houston. I'm thinking they keep it close in that one and a half runs. Um, I guess you know you can't hope for sweeps, but I do think Houston wins this series at home. So. Sure, why not? We'll take Houston in this one as well. Um, I'm telling you to do all of those things, though. whatever you think. Fade me, follow me, whatever. At FanDuel. Don't miss your chance. Get a no sweat first bet. Up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. Alright, so what I have to say here is I do think that um, this offensive line problem is something that was going to be natural. I wish it weren't happening as Houston was about to go into Big 12, right? Because frankly, that's like a big step up in defensive line and front seven play. Um, not to say that there weren't good teams in American. I'd argue like Cincinnati was a very good team in American. Uh, you know, there were, were certainly years that Memphis was a very good team in the American. Uh, SMU can score some freaking points, right? Like those kinds of things that happen in American. But, um, it's, it's a big step up in the week in, week out, just size, speed, strength, just weight, even if you look at the average weight of offensive, defensive lines. And so losing so many offensive linemen, even if they're just depth guys or project guys or guys that you are still projecting to not necessarily be impact guys for another couple of years, does present a problem for Houston, right? And I don't mean to say it doesn't. I, I, I just think it's understandable. And had this happened two years ago, while you were just kind of floating in the American waiting to go to the Big 12, um, you had time to fix it, right? You would have had time to fix it then. Uh, you would have gone out and found uh, guys that you would project to grow into, Big 12 type guys, or guys that kind of get you foot, get your footing or whatever. So now, you're in this predicament where you got to find Power 5 Lyman as a program that, like, isn't quite a the Power 5 resume of the last couple of years, but is moving into one. And you and I both know that it's got the power five history. If you go back to the far, far days, right, like the Southwest Conference days, there's no reason to think this wouldn't have been as strong a stronger program or whatever. Um, so, in looking at guys that are Pine Sky type of guys, I have um, two tackles and two interior linemen that I think are Pine Sky come in, make Houston feel like a power five offensive line right away. And obviously, all four would be tremendous, but any of these guys I think would be coming in right away. The first one is Manuel Pregnon. Who is coming out of Wyoming and is like the most coveted guy it looks like on every transfer portal market. I mean, he had like eight offers from big time power fives, like within hours of putting his name in the transfer portal. He's a 6'6, 305 pound guard. And what I want to stress to a guy that doesn't know a whole lot about offensive line, and I, you know, I'm still learning how much you know about the offensive line. Six six three zero five 305 is like kind of lean for a power five on slim And he plays that kind of athletically. He finishes plays really well. Love the nastiness he plays with at the end of those. And what I liked as a guy that's coached the line some is that he resets his pads really well. Um, so he like lifts the guy up and then resets on and then drives. I mean, he like it, that requires like flexibility. You don't typically see a six, six guys. How he ended up at Wyoming and not, you know, I don't know. Insert Power Five school here. Um, I don't know, but he is highly touted and highly wanted in the transfer port right now. Um, if Houston could land him, that'd be sweet. I imagine, you know, he's, he's a Western half of the United States guy. Dion's got a thing going at Colorado. I imagine he's too pine sky for Houston, but I'd like to see him throw their name in the ring, right? Like, hey, you want to move in the Power Five? We're moving the Power Five too. Come on with us, right? Like, that's a kind of a natural transition. He wouldn't. He wouldn't. I would think he'd fit in very, very well. Um, the guy I think is pie in the sky, but maybe not as high in that he's closer to reachable is Matthew Wyckoff. Now, we talked about Wyckoff with uh, John Garcia last week. He's an interior offensive lineman from AM, was all-SEC freshman team last season, and entered the transfer portal kind of surprisingly as a center. Um, I think most people felt like once you're in the SEC, like, you're all to see, you know, probably grow there with Jimbo or whatever. Like a lot of the coaches that recruited him, they are still there or, or whatever. Right. Um, but I'm hoping he does look at Houston very closely. Um, he's from nearby. And I, I just think that I think that the former Aggie has a shot to make a real impact coming to the U of H. Um, I will say that as far as schematics go, like he is the real deal as far like, he may be a pro center. Um, he gets the second level really, really well. Uh, meaning he chips off of down linemen if they're like in shades or whatever on the guards and works with the linebackers very well. He also works laterally on zone blocks, which for what Houston's going to be looking to try to do with a lot of the RPO game that Dana likes to do is really really important because that's laterally not downfield, but it still like stones the defense wanting on that allow penetration. And again, he did it against the SEC, so I think he's like more than capable of coming in and making an immediate impact at center. For Houston. Um, he's also a giant as far as centers go. And I think there's a real shot at this one. Now, I understand he is like the number three. He's the number three interior lineman and number five overall lineman um, on most transfer big boards. Um, and so I get that, like, that's like, you know, does Houston always get those guys? You know, I, I guess that's the kind of thing where the Blue Bloods might feel like they have a better chance at them. But being from so close to Houston, and like if he's going to leave the SEC, I don't know that he necessarily cares a whole lot about like the Blue Blood pedigree. I think there's a real chance here. And so I'm hoping and holding out for that one. Um, another guy that does attend one of those Blue Bloods, um, although not SEC Blue Blood, that I'm looking for is offensive tackle, a guy named Cortland Ford. He's 6'6", 305, out of uh, USC, the LA-USC. And... um he had 12 starts there over two seasons of playing ball. Um, I think they thought he's gonna be like a full-time starter last season. He had started four or five games. Um, I was really impressed by his athleticism at six, five through five. Like he moves almost like a power forward. He's got some bounce to his game on pulls. He's got great lean to him. If anything at six, six, three or five, I'm like, he might need 10 or 12, you know, good pounds, right? Like he might need a little bit more weight to him. When he's coming around on some of this kind of stuff. Um, I, have to say that part of the reason I think they rotated him out of stuff was because of, you know, that leaner frame, long arms, long legs. He didn't quite have like the bulk. Like he could get run over by big pass rushing, like bull rushing type linemen. Um, and I would think that you'd hope to continue to work that out of him. He's from Cedar Hill though. The big story here is he's from Texas, even though he went out to USC and so I think he pitch Houston as a way to get him back into power five football in the state of Texas. Um, you know, you're, you go play at TCU. Um, I guess TCU comes to us this year. You go to them the next year or whatever, right? Um, I, I think he's the kind of guy that would be an impact guy at tackle, though, especially in losing um, Cameron and, uh, Cameron Johnson. I feel like you could bump some guys around. Some of our guys that maybe aren't as long could move inside. I think he's an impact guy, though. And I, I maintain I think he's going to be um, – in, in watching stuff on him recently, I think he's going to be a guy that makes an impact somewhere very, very quickly in the transfer portal. And then I've, I have very few notes on him on this page because I've talked about it a lot. But Bray Walker is again a former five-star kid at Oklahoma. He's a giant of all giants. Um, he has not played a whole lot in his time there, and I understand that that's giving a, a red flag. Yeah, okay, you're nodding. You've heard this story before. It gives red flag to people, right? Um, however, I do have to say that. I feel like just a fresh start can mean so much to these guys. And he was a consensus five-star. This wasn't like some recruiter took, like, thought about it or whatever. Like, He was offered by all the big dogs, the Georgias, the Alabamas, et cetera. He was five-star across all recruiting sites. He got to Oklahoma, and things just haven't worked out. And I think that especially as you're moving into a Power 5 conference, that's the kind of risk that you're going to take, and if it works, man, you look smart, right? Like suddenly, you're like, oh, we're the guy that unlocked him, and you can pitch that to every single transfer, every single high school kid across the country. Like, listen, Oklahoma couldn't unlock this guy, and we could, and I think that's important as far as what he did well out of high school. He's going to doesn't have a whole lot of game table. you um, he's a like bulldozer. I mean, he's a giant, so he's just running through people. Um, and I'm. Mean even like other future D1 athletes. Obviously, like the high school feels a little bit different. You'd anticipate some of that. But even with that understanding, he is a bulldozer, bulldozer, bulldozer. And I I wonder if he wants to stay in the Big 12. Oklahoma's going to the SEC. You know, I, I anyway, I, I think he needs a fresh start. And I think Houston could be that option. I've said a, a lot, but that is my last, my pie in this guy, guys. So, guys I think are more realistic that Houston go get really, really quickly. Uh, I want to talk about the third segment. So let's get on to it. Uh, Cade Briggs, um, maybe a familiar name to at least one Houston Cougar, uh, was originally at New Mexico and then played last season at Texas Tech. Um, I would also point point out he went to Bishop Gorman High School, which means he has played at two different schools, one Donovan Smith. Now, I know that that shouldn't matter a whole heck of a lot, but... Cade Briggs is a fairly high ranked guy. And if you're looking at the uh, pro football focus stats, as far as being right place, right time, getting right kind of blocks on guys, etc., cetera. Um, he is, he's kind of that tween. Is he a guard or a tackle? And I think Houston's got a couple guys that could fit that the big 12 level. So I think the flexibility there is nice. Um, I like the way he moves his feet and stays on blocks when he's at tech. Um, so we'll see. I, I, I could see him being a guy that pans out some, um, other guy I want to look at is a, I guess he's recently at Texas State, but his name is Silas Robinson from small town called Yoakum, Texas. Shout out to Yoakum! Uh, if you are a Friday night Tex person, first of all, you probably also remember Lucas Coley. But Yoakum was the Yoakum Outlaws, like they had a whole team in one of those shows, right? With the small town kids that came with San Antonio beer, right? Um, he he's that small town kid. Um, now he originally went to Arkansas to high school. Something didn't work out there. He didn't play. He was a redshirt guy there, and then transferred to Texas State. Got a lot closer to home. If you know where Yochum is, it's kind of that same triangular area as like the Gonzalez's and Lulings and, and all that part of the world. Uh, so Texas State's not far. Houston's not much farther, and I think it's a kind of program that could really elevate his profile. And you know, again, he he was a high high end prospect at a high school. He's a great pass blocker. My only concern would be. um his run game stuff, he's not quite low enough on some of it and not quite driving like he would want to for a, a, moving into a power five kind of stuff. You think that, you know, Nagavi could be the guy that coaches that into somebody, but he also is probably going to want that some level of that in the guy. So I do think if they offered Silas, though, that I feel like that'd be a pretty quick commit um, as far as like what his other stuff's looking like. And again, I, I think he's a kid that would help with depth for sure and may turn into something down the line as far as a realistic option at some point you just need bodies also like for what this is worth speaking of bodies i think the most like square footage of a body of anyone on this list is cardell thomas Uh, cardell thomas is from lsu um he is in the transfer portal he is six three three hundred and fifty six pounds that is roughly a perfect square but i have this pro football focus stuff up right now and i think what's interesting is um because he's just so hard to get around as an interior office lineman at 633-56, his pass blocking grades are off the charts. And when you pull up this, the film of him online, he, again, he's only played in a handful of games um, because, frankly, I think he could probably stand to lose some of that weight and get in better game shape. Um, and for, we've got the facilities to do it. We're going to be okay. Um, I think what's interesting in looking at him play, though, is that it really is like he moves his feet just well enough to be the giant he is, and be constantly beating guys up with his hands, I'm right, moving them down side to side. Um, his run blocking stuff so is going down field is not quite as good. Um, I don't, again, i I don't see that as a deterrent. If Nagavi's the kind of guy that says I can fix that, if he's the kind of got says I want that when they come in, we're still figuring out what he wants, right? But that that could be a little bit different. Um. All right, the last guy I got here is Trevor Robinson. Now, Trevor Robinson, um, I didn't I, I thought this was a typo at first, right? Um, Trevor Robinson is six Roberson. Sorry, not Robinson. Roberson is six eleven. You heard that right. Six eleven. No, I don't think he'll play center for the basketball team, but he is 6'11", 345, um, and start off at Texas Tech and then played at Texas State. I think people see him as a project, because a 6'11", 355 tackle, um, you're like, what kind of bend are we looking at here? Um, What kind of options we have here? And admittedly, he does not have a lot of game tape out there. He's not like a very guy that's got got in a lot of football games. 6'11 might, at some level, just be too darn tall. Uh, It's hard to play off his lineman with leverage and that kind of stuff. But... It'd be a one-year project. He only has one year of eligibility left, and I hey, actually I think he has two because the COVID year. My bad, my bad, Trevor. Um, anyway, without digressing too far, I think this is the kind of guy where, much like Bray Walker, and that's why I'm wrapping this segment with him. I think it's the kind of guy that, that as a project guy, you almost want to take a swing on if you're Houston, because what's the worst thing that happens? You have a practice offensive line that's six foot eleven. Right. Again, Houston only lost one starter from last season going into next season to date. Um, theoretically, you replace him with Jalen Garth. Now, I I think that's not quite how things are matching up. And we can talk about that as we get closer to the season, obviously, or closer to like spring practice, summer practices, obviously. Um, but I do think that for what it's worth, these depth guys are good opportunities to take swings for the fences and see what happens. And I think there's a bunch of guys out there. If you think there's other guys out there, find me at Painsworth 512 I N S W O 512 on Twitter, Instagram, and all of your various social media handles. And let's talk about it. Let's talk about who you find, because those are guys that jump off the page to me, both as pie in the sky options and realistic options to help solve this offensive line problem. But I'm open to hearing what you guys have to say and researching. So comment down below. Find me on social media and let's talk about it. I'll also be happy to talk all things Cougar. Basketball, the baseball team's kind of on an upswing right now. Uh, Astros, Rockets got a draft coming up. I guess Texans have a draft coming up before that. We'll talk all things Houston Sports again at Painsworth 512 P-A-I-N-S-W-R-T-H 512 on all your social media handles. Thank you all so much for tuning in to Locked on Cougs today. If you're looking for a second listen of the day, I'm gonna recommend well, I'm gonna recommend like on big twelve right now because we're talking football and they're looking at the next season and what the conference looks like in the years after that and that Josh Neighbors did a great job. So I'm just gonna say to go check that out as well. Um, Locked On Cooks is a proud member of the Locked On Podcast Network. That means your team every day. Go Kooks.